0: If you ever need to remember why you love the work you do, Go to a conference where everyone does what you do and there are new people entering the field. There's just so much excitement and possibility and potential for collaboration. It is infectious. That's what happened to me back in October. I went to an all women's podcast festival in LA called Work It. It was put on by WNYC Studios. And there were inspiring talks and great advice. And I got to see a live taping of the Two Dope Queens podcast, which was hilarious. There was also an intimate panel with the women of another the round, who I absolutely love. It was a very good experience. And they also had a pop-up studio for anyone who wanted to record an episode of their own podcast. It was put together by Cole Han, which I should tell you is a brand committed to extraordinary women telling extraordinary stories. And I actually went on their website just to check out what they're doing now because for a long time I could never afford shoes or anything by Cole Han. But they But Pretty committed to wanting me to spend some money on their shoes because I noticed that they have these new sneakers made of this light, breathable knit that looks super comfortable. Anyway, speaking of extraordinary women, I decided to interview one of my longest-standing media girlfriends who happens to live in L.A. Her name is Zuleika Nathu. She's an entertainment reporter for CBC. And we met in university along with two other women, and the four of us have all kept in touch since then. I wanted to talk to Zuleika because she has always been so humble and ambitious at the same time. She's just been constantly focused on her career, and I just wanted to know where that comes from. And even though she's rarely ever discussed her religion, I was curious about her perspective on being Muslim in the United States right now. So that's the conversation you're about to hear. I'm Nanaba Duncan, and this is Media Girlfriends. And she's sitting right beside me. Hi,
1: We're together again. We're together again.
0: Okay, so uh, what did you do today? I want to know about your actual day today.
1: My day today? Um, Well, I have a toddler son, so I am fortunate enough to have a a flexible schedule because I mostly work on weekends. So I took him to a soccer game. Nice. Uh, Yeah. How did he do? He's pretty awesome, <laughs> as every parent would say. Um, you know, he's just super focused. Like, even the coach is like, he is very focused. He just, like, goes for the ball and, like, drives it to the net. Like, you know, we're hoping he'll be our early retirement. Excellent. You know?
0: Yeah. Training him for
1: the academy. Right? Never fingers. too early.
0: Amazing. I'm and not surprised to hear that he's focused because that's what I see in you. No, really. Like, I think you're a focused person. I think your husband, Kim, is a focused person. Um, so... We met in J school. you That's journalism school. Journalism school. Journalism school. And you uh, got a scholarship right out the gate. Did you always want to be in TV?
1: No. I I did not plan on being in TV. I had just planned to write for a newspaper or a magazine. I always wanted to do journalism, but I only later found out, and this is when I learned just how many people help you behind the scenes that you may never even know about Mm -hmm. that after I got uh, my first job with the CBC somebody had mentioned that the reason why they geared me towards TV because it was really sort of their push initially was because one of our professors had written a reference letter saying I really think Zuleika should be in TV oh really yeah and it was you know a simple line in a letter that changed my whole life and career wow, path for that's the better. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I
0: just realized I didn't let you finish what you did for the day. That's okay. It, it's
1: but <laughs> no, but he, it's, so I'm he in LA, to... so the rest of my day was basically battling traffic to get here. So don't <laughs> worry.
0: You so what did you much. do? Who's got who's got your son?
1: <laughs> so a sitter has him right now. Okay, um, he, and I used like, okay, this is where you all call child services. I use. <laughs> this amazing app which they have in LA called Urban Sitter. So it's basically like Uber for babysitters and you have background checks on all of them already and you can vet them yourself but they're kind of already vetted and they're basically all students or you know struggling actors who love to entertain and so they like you know do this in their spare time and it's so easy to get someone. Anyways that so so she she, he's with some girl named josephine right now he's fine don't worry
0: well i guess if anything happened you would just call the company yeah don't make me paranoid no no sorry (laughs) everything will be fine everything will be fine what time are we done here everything's gonna be fine okay um so the goal was was just journalism for you you but you ended up in, in TV and here's what I've always and I, th- I think I've said this a number of times you have focus you have been to me you have this success you have this quiet ambition about you and I think you are committed to ex- excellence you are a hard worker and i remember one a long time ago you had mentioned having a 5 year plan do you like so in your life do you do you have this 5 year plan in your mind all the time are you constantly going back to this plan and saying okay i've done that i've done that like how does it work for you no
1: it's more just for me i find if i have a general direction that i want to go in it makes things easier for me to focus my energy so i don't say like okay if i am not uh foreign reporter, by the time I'm 30, my life is over. It's more just, you know, I have a goal to, you know, live at this place and work in this place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to work towards that. And so I find even just when I say it out loud, or I write it down, or I have some sort of goal in mind that I've set, Mm -hmm. that I have a better sense of direction and purpose to get there and I take a little bit of time to think about it you know what makes me happy what am I most interested in what do I feel I want to accomplish and haven't done yet and then and then I work from there but I completely understand and I think you know quite a bit about my life that there are a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns so I try to stay flexible Mm because I think the best part of working towards something is when you do have to go off on a tangent and where it takes you.
0: So speaking of flexible how did you end up in LA? We haven't talked about that.
1: Oh well it wasn't for me it was uh, my husband who got uh, an LA correspondent position because he's also a journalist And uh, I was on maternity leave at the time and when I came back to work I was fortunate enough because I was doing entertainment reporting in Toronto, it wasn't a very difficult stretch to transfer my job here so I could try to do the same thing. And I've been doubly fortunate because having a child now, I've been able to have a flexible schedule here so we can kind of balance work life pretty well.
0: That's awesome.
1: So and I say that as my husband is actually out of town right now, yeah. as he has been for pretty much every day this month, covering various how, major events. How yeah. do
0: you deal with that? I mean, you have to do everything with a child, mm-hmm. right? You're not sharing that. Mm-hmm. And when he goes out, off, at any point, do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, again, you're going?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I do. I think if he had a wife in any other field... Like, they would not understand Mm. what is happening, you know. But I completely understand uh, the need for him to cover these stories. And because they're generally important stories, um, you know, you can't really fault him for leaving. But I also commend single parents everywhere. Because (laughs) I don't think that even the term, which we understand involves so much work i just don't think people understand how much is involved and because you're juggling so much in your mind mm-hmm. and it's trying to stay too. present it, at the same time yeah mm-hmm. it, it doesn't stop but then when you do it you're like i'm awesome <laughs> i can actually do this by myself so you better watch out because if i feel like i don't actually need somebody else then that's gonna be a problem <laughs> um
0: i, I want to get back to your um your humility and your speaking of i'm awesome no you, no but i think that you are humble like we were uh, you are a person who you do these things that you have wanted to do you have this quiet plan it's not like you you actually it's not like you say in our group text hey guys this is a plan that i or even if we meet you never say oh i have this big plan to do this you're just like you're just doing them i remember some time ago, where you, where you said you got this fellowship and you're off to Kenya <laughs> to work there, and and I I wonder about humility. Is this something that you actually practice? Is this just you? Did you learn it from somewhere? Um,
1: I mean, I think my parents probably play a big role generally because when we were growing up, my sister and I, my parents were very much um, averse to telling people what you're doing. And, you know, my mom was very much like, listen, no one likes a show off. If you're doing well at school or you get to travel somewhere, just keep it to yourself. Just do your thing, Mm. you know. And and I think my dad's perspective was a little bit different in that, you know, uh, as two people who had a lot of ups and downs, which I think is a typical immigrant experience, Mm. right? Um, My parents are from East Africa. So my mom is from Tanzania and my dad is from Kenya. And I was born in Calgary. They experienced a lot of ups and downs. You know, they had wealth. They lost wealth. They've had career success. They've lost it. I don't think I even knew this. They, like yeah. They, they had such high hopes for their children. Then they lost that. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> um, and, Your are proud of you. And yeah, you know, but they'll never tell me that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? No, I'm, never. Just, I'm just joking. Okay. Once in a while. Okay. That's, okay. But then I know it means something, right? Right. Okay. Um,
0: are you going to be like that? Do you think you're no, like
1: No, I, I try to. I try to balance it. Okay. I mean, but I, yeah. I mean, I, I probably, I, I probably don't tell my, my son as much. I probably, I think, I uh, half the time that I actually, mm-hmm. you know, am super super proud of him. I will definitely tell him. Mm-hmm. But I think the other half, I'm like, oh, I don't want him to get a big head. I don't, really? I don't want him to to think he's actually that awesome. So you're doing something
0: similar to your mom, but a uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, but
1: I, I think, think it, you know, f- my dad always kind of believes that you know be careful how much you say to people because everybody will fall eventually you know you you can't Mm. stay up there for so long and the fall is so much harder when there's more witnesses so just be careful what you say you know or just be sure that that things are are secure or tight before you say anything and that's why
0: you just drop the like you drop the mic and you're like, yeah, I'm going to Kenya. You don't say, I'm trying for this fellowship. I'm trying, to, like, I'm. You just kind of. Yeah, do the I'll thing. never.
1: I'll. You'll. You'll never know. And even my close. <laughs> not you. The collective you um, will never know.
0: Usually, I
1: mean, unless I'm really like mulling things over and I and I really need to just hear an opinion. Yeah. But most of the time, um, people. Yeah, I kind of just I I do my thing, and if it works out, then that's great. And then if it doesn't. Then I'll try something else, you know, and I don't really, I don't really tend to talk much about the planning Mm. until it's executed.
0: So how does this kind of humility work in L.A.? (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's it's working against me right (laughs) now, Um, (laughs) mainly because I find in L.A. selling yourself is the whole business. Like you cannot go to a coffee shop or a park or dinner without hearing conversations around you, because I'm like the best eavesdropper ever (laughs) uh, of people selling their ideas, their scripts, their, you know, concepts, their projects, quote unquote, you know, they're always at meetings. They're always, they always working on projects. Like those are the buzzwords here. And so it's almost like when you aren't selling yourself you seem like the weird one because it's like, what are you trying to hide? Like why do you not want to share everything about you? You really? know? And so I have to sort of learn if I want to um
0: go there. Go
1: go any farther here or, you know, get any ideas out there, whatever. Um, I have to sort of I think learn to play the game a little bit better, which I, I haven't really done.
0: So I imagine that you've like you have some LA friends now. You've been here. How many years have you mm-hmm. been here again? Almost three years now. Okay. So, obviously, you must have some L.A. friends. So, do they poke you? Like, do they try to say, so, like, what are you, or what are you working on? Or is it enough that you are an entertainment reporter?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate enough, to be honest, to find a group of uh, American friends who are actually Canadian. Oh, really? And so, but they're, you know, they've been here for so long. So, they have just been such great guides in terms of, you know, how to navigate the city but also how to keep your roots and we understand each other, um, uh, the differences with living in the US and and they're in a variety of fields in the industry. So I feel like I've just learned a lot from them and I find even when we go out, I just like listening to the auditions they're going on or (laughs) the music they're composing or the films they're working on. It's really, really great and then I guess in turn, you know, I can tell them about,
0: I don't know, Canadian news or something.
1: <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, but I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm learning more from them than they are from me.
0: Okay. I, I, I want to move on to um being a, a Canadian Muslim in, in LA. Right. Is there an Ismaili community here? There is yes okay
1: yeah
0: um tell me about what the community is like
1: I wish I could um I actually thankfully I have some neighbors that are part of my community which was completely random so they keep me in touch with uh community events and that kind of thing uh it's it's actually I've surprised myself I've usually in the past been very involved no matter what city I've moved to and you know like I've lived in quite a few places yeah you've
0: lived in okay Calgary Fredericton Bathurst. Bathurst. I was
1: in Montreal for a bit, Toronto, Kenya for a year. Um, and now LA. And now LA. Um, and everywhere I've gone, everywhere I've visited most of the time, I will find um, a mosque which is called a Jamat Khanna for Ismailis. And um, it's, you know, it's never been an issue. And here, for some reason, I just feel a little bit more disconnected. And I I don't know why that is it's my it's my own journey like it's it's nobody else's um fault, so I'm hoping that I can and it's it's also i think um
0: what about having a child yeah I, I feel it? like yeah. that
1: well i f- no no, I feel like it's actually been weighing on me more because I really do need to bring him into the community to experience it more mm-hmm. um but i I have to find a way, I think, to, to reconnect or connect with people here because this is probably one of the few cities I've ever been where I knew nobody when I came. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit harder to move into certain circles, but I'll get there. So what are the people in the community like? Um, generous, <laughs> uh, kind. I mean, o- overall, I think, you know, there's an ethic... Um, in people that the world, I think, doesn't see.
0: It's okay.
1: It's okay. I think for a lot of us, growing up as Muslims, one of the most important things that we learned that I think a lot of people nowadays don't realize or don't connect with The faith is charity, benevolence, um, ethics. And it's not um, anything that is publicized or um, recognized as commonplace by anyone outside the faith. But you've known that your entire life. It's been trained into us. You know, I feel like not giving of yourself is probably, um, the most, uh, basically just, you know, as you, when you, when you grow up as a Muslim and anyone who has grown up in the faith can attest to this, it's trained into you to, um, to give generously, to understand that you can't take your wealth with you when you go and, um, and to try to make the world a better place, even if it's in a small way.
0: <clears throat> that must be why it hurts then because it seems like no one is recognizing that.
1: Well, it it yeah, I mean it's 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 tough to watch um I think as a journalist but as someone who, you know, in some small way represents the community and you just can't do anything about it. So, I think you know, the only I think the only um thing you can really do is is Hope that your kids face a different <laughs> um, reality, challenge, a different reality in a that vein. One, I guess. Yeah, but I really have no idea how we're going to get there right now.
0: I really appreciate you giving like that.
1: Well, it's it's a tough, um, yeah, it's a re- it's a tough conversation I think to
0: have. Are you having it with people in the community or with? Uh, other Muslim reporters you don't
1: need to have it with people in the community we all know you know I think we feel it every day so I think it's more um you know you you, you're trying to figure out a way to convince people who can't be convinced right how do you do that
0: I I think about that in my own way myself (laughs) sometimes
1: yeah I mean I think every minority faces it in a different way for us, it's just trying to tell people that we're not terrorists. And it's as actually, you know, it brings it back to one of the issues that I also face living in the States as a Canadian. is like my mom, who, you know, has traveled the world her whole life and loves her grandson to bits, won't come to L.A. anymore.
0: <gasps> I didn't She realize. won't come to the
1: States. She's too afraid of being questioned about her Muslim beliefs at the border. So she won't come here. She's like, you have to come to Canada to see us because I can't handle it. I'm too old <laughs> to deal with this. But she's come to visit LA before, you know, um, years ago, uh, yeah, like when yeah. you first got Pre- it. Yeah. yeah yeah. So, um, so it's it's sad. Like it's 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 infiltrating every area, whether you're American or not. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Come on. So, Zuleika's saying come on because we had limited time in that studio and she didn't want to end on that note. But it was really important that we had that conversation because you need to know this is a strong woman. She's prides herself on being strong, and I actually think it took strength for her to be that vulnerable. It was fascinating to learn about the roots of her humility. So thank you, Zuleika. Um, as a loud, gregarious person, I learned something about keeping some ambitions close to your heart because I think that type of ambition can be the truest, purest kind. I want to take a quick moment to thank the people who have commented or rated this podcast on iTunes. If you have any comments about the podcast, please broadcast them, even if it's constructive criticism. You can tweet me at MediaGFS, and please use the hashtag MediaGirlFriends. After the last episode with Nicole Martifio, the creator of the web series An African City, Miranda Hill tweeted... I am so excited Media Girlfriends is back. Celebrate with me, fellow superfans. And then she tagged two of her colleagues. So thank you, Miranda. Miranda's a fellow Media Girlfriend herself. She's a Canadian writer. And you can follow her on Twitter at Miranda underscore Hill underscore. Speaking of good writing, the next episode features Michelle Parisi, creator of the CBC podcast Alone, A Love Story, which you can find on iTunes. It is all about life after finding out her husband cheated on her. But it is so much more than just that. It's going to be a good episode. But here's Michelle right now with her what I should have said story about a time she wishes that she spoke up.
2: So I think that any time... There's been a moment where I should have said something that I didn't uh, in my career, like in the workplace, uh, has only been around like male coworkers doing inappropriate things. Really? Yeah, because I mean, usually my joke to you originally was uh, I couldn't answer the question, like, what shouldn't I have said? Because usually <laughs> I have no problem expressing myself or my opinions or whatever in me- <laughs> meetings and in the workplace. But, um, I started in broadcasting at the CBC when I was 21 years old, and I didn't know anything. And um, also, I was 21, and uh, like most of us, I think it's fair to say, by the time you're in your early 20s, you've been like sexually harassed at the very least. Like we just got used to it; it was just status quo. Like you would just sit. You mean like comments? Anything, any kind of like men just behaving badly at you is just, like, a thing that you just had to sit quietly through or sigh through or just, like, get around somehow mm-hmm. and, like, live through. Mm-hmm. And so even at my early 20s, like, I already knew all that. I was a girl and I was a woman already. And, like, so anyhow. So the workplace, why would the workplace be any different? Guess what, folks? It's not, right? So um there was a time... I look like at you're announcing. Guess what, uh, folks? No, because you know when people are very surprised, I'm always surprised at their surprise. Like, what world do you live in, but anyhow? And uh, so, um, the first job I had, you know, I was in a. There were a lot of great men, first of all, so many more great guys that I worked with than not. But uh, in this one particular uh, room that I worked in, it was like a big room, and it's hard to explain without giving too much away. I guess, like, yeah, I know, but you um. Anyhow, there was one computer because it was 1996. <laughs> and, uh, and like the internet was super nascent. So, uh, anyway, but the certain guys would watch porn or like look at pornography at work. Yeah. But in a room that I'm in also, and there's nowhere for me to go because that's the room I work in. Oh my God. Yeah. Like a room, like not a big room, like we're all in a room together kind of thing. Um, uh, and I was only a kid myself, basically. I mean, I was an adult, but I was twenty-one, and it was super uncomfortable for me. Uh, yeah. But I never said anything, so that's one. And then a few years later, so maybe I was a bit older, still in my early twenties. Um, I was in a editing closet uh, because we didn't all have uh, computers at our desks yet, still. <laughs> and uh, and this, I mean, I'm like twenty-three, and this man was like in his 50s maybe or even older like and um he barred the door and he said i really like that uh, schoolgirl outfit you've got on and the whole schoolgirl thing you've got going on and like i don't know what i was wearing i can't remember it was the 90s like so i was wearing like a skirt right and like you know me, I'm not wearing a mini skirt. Even then, it was a not long enough skirt and like uh, knee socks though, black knee socks with like Doc Martens because it was the 90s.
0: Therefore, schoolgirl because knee socks, <laughs> knee and socks skirt. and
2: skirt. I guess, but like not even a short skirt, like because it's me. And uh, first of all, he's trapping me in this closet by blocking the door. Second of all, schoolgirl comment super gross. But like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, uh, thanks. But I have to like you know edit this national radio show now for $8 an hour. So can you shove on? But oh I didn't God. say any of that. Like you <laughs> super gross. Oh my gosh. Pedophile basically. Like do you know okay. what I'm saying? Okay let's so, go back. So wait I have more. Yeah? Oh there's more. Well I have tons but you know later on when I was like in my late 30s and super established here and had not I was not precariously employed so I had nothing to lose by saying something and I was old enough to say something. When a good friend of mine and a new into journalism and trying to, you know, make her way in. And she was treated like vilely, like a respected journalist, you know, who was supposed to be her mentor. And she told me a few of the things, including stuff like she would be working with him because we're at work. And he would just say, like, all I can think about is bending you over this (gasps) desk." Yeah. And they did not have any kind of like it was a working relationship if you can even call her that so they had
0: nothing and he just oh absolutely not he was married and
2: like a hundred years older than her and like it was not that like she was trying to be at work doing work and all i did this is my biggest regret this is my i should have said something is like coach her on strategies to like deal with men like that or like how to get around it why did you feel
0: that was your responsibility
2: No, my responsibility would have been as a person who had a job that I can't lose, basically, compared to her. Like, I should have, my responsibility should have been to go and freaking tell somebody. Hmm. Like, I should have told our bosses or a boss that I trusted or, or went and like chopped his balls off or something. Like, I could have done something. (sighs) Do you know what I mean? And I didn't because I was still, we were in this culture of whispers. We really were. I know. Like, I really, I really. (laughs) Are we actually even out of it? um we're sl- i feel like we're getting out of it but but uh, like the like the Jean thing here in Canada anyway like or especially for us at CBC those of us who worked at CBC that started it like the grumbling of the culture of whispers and then and then with the me too and the you know and then even the Aziz Ansari thing which is like causes lots of debate and whatever like it it actually caused me in my uh podcast to like almost write a whole scene kind of based on that Mm. not write a scene but write a thing that i say because talking about why we don't talk about bad dates for example which is taking it away from the work thing but you know what i'm saying i do it's like the reason we don't talk about it is because it's so prevalent i think like Mm. it's so pervasive and we just grew up going like stay away from that person Mm -hmm. uh don't uh go in the basement with that cousin um you know what i'm saying yeah i do Yeah, like it's real, but we don't say it. So I say it now all the time. Trust me, I snapped out of it. Did you? Oh, my God. I'm beyond snapped out of it. Like I will say all the things. Anyone can bite me on it. I don't care. Okay, so let's take you back then.
0: Let's take you back to that big room with the one computer and the man viewing the porn on it. What are you saying to him now? I would just say turn that shit off, man. That's like so
2: uncool. I'm a kid. I'm not a kid. No, but that's what you would say. I would. Excellent. would say turn that off. Like, who freaking watches porn, like, with a 21-year-old coworker in, in there, the room. In the room. Or, like, just don't do it at all. But, I, I mean, nah, don't. Yeah. No, I would say something. But my biggest regret is with my friend, because I was not precariously employed. I had nothing to lose for speaking up. But I was just so resigned to the fact that, like... This is the world that I live in. It was normal.
0: That was Michelle Parisi, and you're going to hear her in the next episode of Media Girlfriends. If you want to know more about Michelle uh, and Zuleika or the Work at Women's Podcast Festival or the shoes that I want from Kohan, you can just go to the show notes of the podcast. All the information is there. Oh, and just a plug for another awesome media girlfriend. Connie Walker, she's the woman behind "Missing and Murdered: Finding Cleo," a podcast that you have to hear. This is the story of Cleo Nicotine Samagonis, a young Cree girl who was taken from her family in the '60s. Scoop. Uh, Connie is meticulous and she's sensitive, and she helps Chloe's family figure out what happened to their sister. It is riveting, it's heartbreaking, and in my opinion, it's required listening if you want to know more about Indigenous history in Canada. Media Girlfriends is produced by me, Nanaba Duncan. I got some script help from a media girlfriend living in Thailand right now, Tori Allen. Thank you so much. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on Twitter at MediaGFS. And the hashtag is MediaGirlfriends.